In the name of God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. Amen. I am not ashamed, for I know the one in whom I have put my trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard unto that day what I have entrusted to him. My friends, on this Pride weekend, celebrating 40 years of Pride, the theme put forth by Atlanta Pride this year, we especially remember all those who have suffered, who have felt hopeless, alone, or shamed for being different. Many of us know it well. We remember the four young people who have been in the news this past month because they took their own lives after being bullied about their sexuality. Tyler Clementi threw himself off the George Washington Bridge after his roommate broadcast live images of Tyler and another man in Tyler's dorm room. On September 23rd, a 13-year-old Asher Brown from Houston, Texas, shot himself in the head after being persistently harassed by other students who thought he was gay. 15-year-old Billy Lucas of Indiana hanged himself after being bullied for years over his sexual orientation. And 13-year-old Seth Walsh from Minnesota died eight days after attempting to hang himself from a tree, having endured taunts and abuse for being gay from other students. And these are the ones we know. There are others who go unnamed. May their souls and the souls of all the departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. We cannot help but be reminded of why we do what we do here this evening. We who know that there is hope, who believe and experienced life out of death, transformation, and a new day, bear responsibility to help bring about that change for others. Along with many of my brothers and sisters, I want to say to those who feel alone or helpless or hopeless, you are not alone. There are those of us who have gone through what you have gone through, and we have not only survived, but we have thrived. There are resources and people who are willing to help you, and things will get better. Not that they are always easy, but they do get better. You are not alone. Having been raised here in the Deep South, I was a product of my generation. Sexuality was rarely spoken of, and homosexuality was condemned as immoral and evil. The feelings I experienced as a teenager were simply impossible. There were no role models. I put up walls and I hid, not only from others, but from myself as well. I was not able to come out to myself or to others until I was 30. And even at that time, I too thought my life was over, that there were no possibilities. I thank God that I survived. 
In our gospel this evening, the disciples beg Jesus, increase our faith. And Jesus replies, if you had the faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to that mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Frightened and confused by words Jesus had spoken to them in preceding passages, they plead with Jesus for help in facing the overwhelming tasks of discipleship. Lord, how can we possibly do all that you ask of us? Increase our faith. And this comes after a long string of difficult sayings of Jesus we have heard in Luke's Gospel in the recent weeks about relationships and possessions and priorities and the rich man stepping over the poor man Lazarus and going straight to hell. In their own way, the disciples are immobilized by the impossibilities around them, and so they cry out, increase our faith. And Jesus gives a very strange answer, as he's apt to do. He doesn't start to quote a doctrine or creed. He says, if you have the tiniest faith, start moving. If you have faith, do something. Say to the tree that's in your way, move, and it will uproot itself and be planted in the sea. What in the world is Jesus talking about? It sounds more like a riddle. It seems to me that the world stays pretty much as it always has been. Most of the time, trees stay where they're planted. Those in power keep the power. The usual violence keeps its awful pace or grows. And Jesus gives no clue to this mustard seed faith. But for Jesus, faith was not giving assent to or adhering to a doctrine of how things are, but a way of life, a commitment that makes things happen, seemingly impossible things. The metaphor he uses shows how faith is revealed in action. In June of 1988, I went to my first gay pride parade. I went as an observer. I hadn't been out long, and quite honestly, I had never seen anything like it before. <laughs> I didn't know anything like it existed. But there on Santa Monica Boulevard in West Hollywood, California, were over 300,000 people lining the parade route. Marching bands, floats, dancers, flags, banners, big costumes, little costumes. <laughs> Incredible energy and great fun. What joy. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it. I was not alone. But I was also terrified trying to hide behind my sunglasses, afraid somebody might recognize me. Put two and two together. I had just moved from Oklahoma, where I'd been serving as an associate for five years, and I had taken a new position at a high-profile parish in Los Angeles after the bishop of Oklahoma thought it best if I were to leave his diocese to find a bishop and diocese that might be more welcoming around issues of sexuality. The bishop in Los Angeles knew I was gay and welcomed me. My new rector knew I was gay, but nervous. 
He did not want the people in the parish to know I was gay and asked that I not tell anyone or make friends with any of the gay members. So I was afraid for my job. Being out in public at the Pride Parade with all those people, someone might think I was gay. And while I had come out to myself and a few others, there were still nagging issues of shame and bad theology squirreled away in the deep recesses of my soul. But I was also energized by the sheer number of people. I just could not believe it. I really was not alone. Inevitably, people in the parish found out anyway, and I did make friends. The cat was out of the bag, and I wasn't going back in. Two years later, the rector retired, and I began to look for a new position, and at that point decided that if I were to continue in the life of the church, it would be as an openly gay man. I would hide no longer. In 1990, I was elected as the rector of Trinity, Los Angeles, where I served for 11 and a half years. My first year there, I walked in my first gay pride parade. I wore my clergy collar and I walked because the other Episcopalians, with the other Episcopalians, because I could and because someone asked me to. There were 11 of us that year, mostly from integrity. The next year, the bishop asked me to serve as his liaison to the gay and lesbian community in Los Angeles, and we began to organize our participation as a diocesan event. The next year, there were 80 of us from around the diocese, and that number steadily grew until one year we had over 400. This year, the right Reverend Mary Glasspool the newly elected suffragan bishop of Los Angeles and openly partnered lesbian presided at the street Eucharist before the L.A. Pride Parade and marched with a large crowd of Episcopalians, gay, straight, young, old, babies and strollers, black, white, Anglo, Hispanic, single and partnered. Folks, we are not alone. There's hope. Things have gotten better. We still have a way to go, but transformation is possible and happening all around us. And the Episcopal Church has been in a unique position as a mainline church to truly welcome gay and lesbian people, to say God welcomes you. We cannot expect the LGBT community to simply know that they are welcomed. Many have been forced to flee their own churches because of the religious abuse and prejudice to which they have been exposed. Many have had to leave their churches simply to get healthy. There are still a lot of church-damaged people out there, but I do believe that we have a message of hope and healing that is indeed good news for our lives. Walking the parade route year after year, I have watched the connection that parade goers make with the presence of the church at the pride parade and festival. The surprise at the willingness of the church to be present with them, to love them and welcome them. 
So this Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. at the Civic Center, Martyr Station, Episcopalians from around the diocese are invited to join together to walk in the Pride Parade here in Atlanta. Our presence is a statement about our church and our theology and faith, not only to ourselves to keep reminding us of who we are and reminding us of who we're called to be, but to the wider community about a God who welcomes us and loves us, forgives us and reconciles us to ourselves, to each other, and to God's own self. The struggle over sexuality within the church, and for that matter, for most of the world's religions, is far from over. But we have made progress. And we continue to need prophetic voices who will continue to proclaim the good news of Christ for all people. For you see, faith is not a separate dimension of life, a thing to be had. Rather, faith is an orientation of the total person giving purpose and goal to one's hopes, one's thoughts, one's actions. Embracing faith as an adult is not magic, nor is it just an intellectual exercise. It is a commitment to a way of being that brings about life and wholeness. A mustard seed kind of faith is not so much seeing a crystal clear vision of that coming kingdom as a waiting to see the vision, hanging on to the tiniest bit of faith and finding there the only source of coherence and meaning and life in this world when everything else seems to be senseless and then acting on it, living it out, even if it's only what one person can do, even if it's only what you can do. So while we pray with the disciples today, Lord, increase our faith. The increase we need is not any measurable quality, quantity. It's a mustard seed. Nor does it involve adherence to any specific point of doctrine as though we must really, really believe it to be true or a fact. Rather, our prayer seeks to open us to receive a faith whose increase lies in richness and depth, deeply rooted in hope, able to endure in the face of delay and suffering, a source of strength when we might be tempted to grow weary and lose heart. A faith that is felt as a pervading sense of trust in the mysterious ways of God's holy wisdom, no matter how dark and winding the path might seem. The God who brings light out of darkness is the endless source of our life and hope. So what about you and me? Does it make us move? Does it help us? Does it make us do things? Our faith? Did we ever move a mountain or a tree or an obstacle because we believed? Because we have given ourselves, committed ourselves to those most sacred hopes, those most compelling goals and purposes in our lives? Faith shapes the way we invest our deepest loves and our most costly loyalties. What Jesus means by this riddle 
this evening is is possibly best made clear by himself. It is not that we need our faith increased, but that our hope for faith is made into faith by simply being with Jesus, with the crucified one, the one to whom we orient our lives, the one who is with us in our need for God and by seeking even in the tiniest ways, the tiniest ways to live that out in our lives. Like the poet of Lamentations and like the disciples, we are invited to bring to God whatever hopelessness or helplessness we might be experiencing. While we do not know what may come of all that is around us, we do believe that God is with us, that we are not alone. God is with us, sharing our fragment of faith, our subjection to violence and despair, our endless waiting. And it is this God who is the source of our faith, our life and hope and action. So this evening, come. Taste and see in bread and wine in these little things, here in this mill, the taste of the world. This bread and wine, these little things are almost nothing a mustard seed. Yet they are full of the presence of the one who was also made small for us, who calls us friends and invites us all to the table and feeds us. Hear and see and taste in these small things as also in the small signs of hope and faithfulness that touch our lives. The dawning of the sure vision of God, of a world changed and made new. Amen.